Welcome to the Secret Salsa Selling Podcast, the ultimate guide and sales gym to unlocking the secrets of successful selling. I'm your host, James Abraham, and brought to you together with Novacy. I'm excited to be here with you today to share insights, tactics, strategies, and help you take your sales performance and sales leadership's game to the next level. And this week, we have someone awesome. Um, I mean, if you're on LinkedIn, um, if you're a Salesforce user, you probably come across John Barrows. John Barrows, welcome to the show. Hey, James. Thanks for having me, man. I appreciate it. Glad to have you. Uh, John, why don't you take a moment, tell uh, the listeners uh, who you are, what you do, and um, why we're here today. Yeah. Um, John Barrows, CEO of Sell Better by JB Sales. Uh, I've been doing sales training uh, for the past, I don't know, 15 years or so. I uh, run a little sales organization, sales training organization here, about 10 employees where we work with companies like Salesforce, LinkedIn, uh, <clears throat> Google, Amazon, a lot of the other uh, SaaS companies in, in tech space and train them on tactics, techniques, uh, anything related to sales, but mostly, you know, none of the fluff and none of the over engineered processes or any of that stuff, just back, you know, really back to basics, getting down to grinding it out and figuring things out. And yeah, been in sales for 27 years, man, and uh, loving every minute of it. I love it. Excellent. Well, I, you know, I, I had this, uh, we had a conversation with a guest a few weeks ago and we talked about how, when did we actually get into sales and we got into sales the minute, the moment we were born, we started screaming yep. our heads off, selling, 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 asking for attention, asking for, mm-hmm. for food, asking for, for, uh, for affection. Um, and, and so on that note, you mentioned fluff mm-hmm. and, um, we're, uh, the end of, we're end of Q1, 2023. And it's a very, very tough environment out there for some. Some see it as an opportunity. I'm one of mm-hmm. those. And I think, I think it's the best time, actually, because then that's where we shine. Real sales professionals are shining. Um, tell me a little bit about how you see the environment right now. And, and what does fluff mean to you when it comes to uh, sales professionals that have kind of rode the, you know, ride the wave of, uh, during the good times and now have actually hit shore and they actually have to uh, get things done for real? Yeah, I mean, look, I think for the past 10 years in in SaaS and tech specifically, look, sales is always a, a tough profession in general, but for the past 10 years, it really hasn't been that tough. Uh, it's been a grow-at-all-cost economy, a lot of VCs dumping a lot of money in, um, throwing a lot of technology and, and people at the problem, but forgetting the fundamentals. And quite frankly, over the past 10 years, you know, you could pretty much get away with blasting out a million templated cadence emails, setting up stupid demos where you ask your dumb bant questions, drone through PowerPoint presentations without engaging, throw a proposal over the wall and then out and get your SE to do the majority of the work and then offering a massive discount to close the deal. Like that's pretty much been the sales motion for a, a large portion of the sales population. And I think as leadership, we've been trying to solve this problem uh, you know, of sales and growth through technology and trying to make things more efficient, but really have, have avoided or skipped over a lot of the sales fundamentals. And also you, you tie that into this uh, remote world that we're all living in right now. I mean, for me, I'm 47 years old, right? I, I got into sales. There wasn't all this technology. There wasn't all these things. So I was knocking on doors. I was kissing, you know, I was, you know, making cold calls all day. I was going to networking events. I was sitting in the bullpen and, and I might not have gotten trained great, right? But I was learning through osmosis because I was around it all on a consistent basis. I could read body language just almost by 
by accident. You know what I mean? I'd be able to sit in front of somebody and see them kind of cringe a little bit or drone out when I was going through my presentation. And all those learning lessons put me in a position to be much more effective when the technology came out, because now I could use the technology and I knew how to use it. What the challenge right now is, is these reps are, are, are leaning on the technology first to try to solve that connection problem. And, and look, in a growth economy, when money isn't really an issue and ROI really doesn't matter as much, it's okay. But when things start to constrict and now we're going from all these point solutions back down to platforms, people are consolidating everything, budgets are getting tighter. Now you have kids who, and when I say kids, by the way, that you could be 50 years old. That's a Boston thing. I apologize. Now you have these young sales professionals who, who have this inflated ego about how good they've been over the past 10 years because of how the numbers they've hit and everything else. And now they don't have the fundamentals and the clients they're talking to want nothing to do with them. They don't want to talk to them. Um, and you know, you have to genuinely prove ROI and multi-thread and get to the CFO and all the things that a, a great sales professional should be able to do. And they just don't have those skills. So we're, I'm seeing a lot of, I don't say panic, but a lot of people really with this, this, a lack of understanding of why uh, they're not being successful anymore, why they got laid off. And to me, it's pretty obvious. And it's not necessarily their fault. I, I'm going to go back to, you know, everybody rails on the younger generations for being the trophy generation. Everybody gets a trophy, right? Well, the kids weren't the ones that asked for the trophy. It was the parents who gave their kids the trophy. Like when I was growing up, if I didn't win, my dad was like, suck it up. Go figure out how to win. Like, I'm not going to give you a participation trophy. And so I was like, all right, let me do this, right? And it's the same thing with leadership right now with sales. Like we're giving all this technology. We're stuffing all this product knowledge down their throat. We're telling them to optimize and, you know, hit their numbers and all this other stuff. And we're ignoring the foundational pieces. So now they're sitting on a house of cards and it's starting to fall apart. Wow. That's, that's super interesting. Um, yeah. Uh, there's a, there's a sound con, uh, con, uh, concept that I love. You got your A players. Yep. They're about 20%. You got your B players about 60%. You got your C players. They're about 20%. And, yep. um, C players, I mean, would you agree? They can't be fixed. I can't I, look. I think, I, I think C players are C players for a reason because they're used to losing. the the mm. The problem is, is and again, I think leadership has to pay attention to try to try to. I look if you're a C player and you're not coachable, yeah, you're you're always going to be a C player. If you if you blame everybody else, you're always going to be a C player. But if you're coach, yeah, I mean, there's people who suck, right, and, and are quote unquote C players. But given the right coaching, given the right environment, given the right culture, actually can can excel pretty well. So you just have to flip those C players around and start them to get to win again. So from a management standpoint, like on your A's, you you know, long-term goals, let them set them and, and go for it and over-communicate with them, but don't micromanage. B's, obviously, that's your goal as a manager to coach your B's into A's. And so it's a little bit more short-term or a little bit more mid-term, like, hey, this quarter, this month, what are we going to do? That type of stuff. And it's a, more of a collaborative where your C's. You have to be like daily with your C's in the sense that I don't mean spend a ton of time with them, but you have to celebrate small, small, small wins to try to get them back on the winning because losing is a, um, losing is a momentum thing. Like the more times you lose, the more momentum it gets. And so you have to stop that momentum. Maybe like a, you know, Tony Robbins, right? Change your state. Like you have to change that state and start. So, Hey, can you make, can you make 50 dials today? Great. Okay. Tomorrow, can you get through 
five gatekeepers today. Great. Hey, next day, can you get one meeting out of those calls? Okay, great. You know, and you just keep building on those positive momentum. And if they take yeah. that coaching and that momentum takes hold, they have a chance. So breaking it down to, to, to small pieces is what you're saying. Mm -hmm. Um, but, and I love the point where you mentioned that, you know, the trophy generation and, you know, winners mm -hmm. always expect to win. Losers always expect to lose. Yep. At least always expect to just participate. And mm -hmm. going back to that fluff piece, do you believe that salespeople hide behind technology? Do you think that's something that's uh, actually part oh, of the problem these days? Most of them do. Most of them do. Again, especially the ones that grew up in the technology world of sales. Now, again, I'm. I just want to make sure we're clear here. I am. I am talking from a very specific point of view as it relates to tech sales reps in tech selling tech. Right. I think once mm -hmm. you get out of SaaS and tech, you're. You know, it's it's like sales 1985 all over again in a lot of ways. Right. There's still the traditional walking around with your, you know, briefcase and relationships and all that stuff. I do think that's changing pretty drastically now with all the technology and relationships are changing, changing drastically. But the ones who grew up with tech and were immediately given the, like when they got into, um, you know, their first job, they were immediately given a CRM. They were immediately given a sales engagement tool. They were immediately given a call recording software, right? Uh, and those are the ones that think that that's what sales is. So they're and not salespeople, they're operators is what you're saying. Yeah. They've been trained, yeah. they've been conditioned to being technology operators. Well, and they're also cogs in a wheel. When we shifted to the predictable revenue model, when Salesforce came out with the predictable revenue model, like whatever, 20 years ago at this point, where it shifted from full cycle sales, where everybody had to do everything to this hyper segmentation of roles, where it was inbound, you know, that's one role, outbound, just cold calling, setting up meetings is another role. AEs is another role. Customer success is another role. SE is another role. Like when we hyper-focused on the process, we lost the connection to the client because the predictable revenue model is a fantastic model for us as, as, as company. Well, theoretically, it's a great model for us as companies because it helps scale, right? You can bring in relatively cheap labor, if you will, like right out of school, not pay them a ton, and then cultivate them and grow them into sales professionals, right? Um, but it's not customer-centric in any way, shape, or form. Right. I mean, think about it. Nobody wants to be handed off three, four, five times before they actually talk to somebody who knows what they're talking about. Right. And that's the shame right now. We're putting these 22 year old kids at the front end of the sales process to talk to executives. And, and all these kids have is, is a little bit of product knowledge and, and some bant questions to ask them. Like, I don't know about you as a CEO. I sure as shit don't want to talk to a 22 year old kid who has no uh, idea. I don't even want about. to hear the word. I don't want to hear the, the acronym band. I mean, if you know, yeah. you got to stop saying that. I'm just giving me the, sh the, the, the willies here, you know what I mean? Yeah. Absolutely. And I think one of the issues that, um, that has really surfaced recently, and, and it's interesting because I just want to focus around that, that technology piece, um, leaning on technology, automation, hoping the machine will do the job, sitting there pressing some buttons, not really asking tough questions, not bonding quickly. Even if he's 22 years old, I believe that a 22-year-old can talk to a, an executive if they ask him the real question, the tough stuff. If they do a strong, rock-solid 30-second commercial, missile precise, uh, laser-guided missile precision when it comes to uncovering compelling pain and creating a compelling event. Uh, being in, having strong emotional composure, 
um, having low fear of rejection, having having a low need for approval, um, and just just being okay about qualification. Even telling an executive, you know, he as an executive, my job is just qualify you. What do you say? I take two minutes, ask you three questions, and then hang up the phone if it doesn't it's not a fit. Does that sound fair? I mean, I don't know an executive that would say no to that. I don't know an executive that would say no to that, but it's that level of conviction. And so where is the line, the thin line between technology that salespeople hide behind and technology that salespeople should be using to actually enhance their performance? Well, this kind of goes back to, um, you know, I'm, I've met so back in 2017. So one of the things I used to train quite heavily on was techniques, right, around prospecting. And I still do, but there was this one very specific technique was called the Why You, Why You Now email developed by Jeff Hoffman and Basho. And, and I actually took the training and loved it and then joined the company and then went off on my own. And, and back in 2017, a couple of reps uh, from Salesforce actually left Salesforce and they say, Hey, John, we created this artificial intelligence bot that creates super highly personalized emails at a fraction of the time. And we want to show it to you. And they sent it to me and it was, it was better than any email I've ever written. And it took less than a minute. And this was back in 2017. And I was like, I was like, Holy shit, we are screwed. I'm like, if this is already <laughs> here. So I, I remember going to Gary, I don't know if you're familiar with Gary Vaynerchuk, but Gary Vaynerchuk, um, you know, he's pretty, he's, he's allowed, but he's, he's got some really insightful things around social and everything else. And uh, he has this 4D session where you can go to his office and sit down with like 10 other entrepreneurs and have his entire organization, like the heads of all his organization come in and talk to you. And then he comes in at the end and does a Q&A. And right around this time, I had asked him like that. I saw that email. And so my question was, Gary, I just saw this email that's better that a robot wrote that I, that was better than I've ever written. Right. And, and it wrote it way faster than I would. Like, where does that leave us in sales as, as this profession evolves? And he's like, don't worry about it. He goes, you're never going to beat the technology. He goes, what you need to do, though, is you need to leverage it and be the last mile. And that's stuck with me, right? The, the whole concept of be the last mile. Let the technology do all the heavy lifting for you as far as the research is concerned. You know, maybe even writing, you know, now with ChatGPT and all that stuff, maybe, maybe even writing a, a, the majority of the email for you or preparing for the meeting for you. But before that email goes out to the client, humanize it. Right. Get that last mile there. Make sure it's humanized. Make sure that there's that personal touch, because until computers buy from computers, like once computers buy from computers, we're, we're all screwed. Right. But but until that happens, there, there's that place for a sales rep. Right. And, and one of the things that was interesting, Gartner just recently came out with this report that said they averaged out boomers, Gen Xers and millennials. And, and they asked them, you know, about do they want a rep free experience and 43 percent B2B, 43 percent of respondents want a rep free, a sales rep free sales experience, which is scary. Right. Because that's just going to go up with Gen Z coming into the market and everything else. But the 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 ray of light there is the next statistic was that of those 43% that went through, that did not want a rep involved in the sales process, um, they had a 25% higher regret rate. So they, they regretted their decision 25% more when they did not engage with a sales rep. So we as sales reps, there is value there that we can bring. It's just different. It's no longer blasting out template emails. Marketing can do that. Artificial intelligence can do that. It's no longer droning through PowerPoint presentations. I can look at that on your website if you want me to. It's business acumen, emotional intelligence, and curiosity. 
Those are the things that we need to focus on in sales and then let the technology do everything else. Yeah, I agree. Um, it's interesting. I have this rule. Um, people buy from people. People mm -hmm. buy from people they like, right? Um, people well, like people like themselves. I don't think it's... And, the, and I don't just, think let me just finish my thought. Let me just finish my thought on this. Here's the thing. When it comes, especially when it comes to tech, the buyer in most cases doesn't know how to buy the solution that they're typically buying. They buy it, what, once in a decade, once in a career for like the heavy stuff, once every few years. They're clueless. They don't know how to buy. They'll buy, they'll buy a CRM the same way they'll try and buy an air conditioner or the same way they'll try and buy carpeting or a printer. And, and that's the problem. And, and they think until they realize that part of the, that rep's job is to help the buyer realize the true reasons of one, why they need to solve a problem. They don't, maybe don't even know they have, maybe they're just trying to solve a symptom. Um, but ultimately take them through that journey of realizing what it means to buy a complicated or a tech, a, a tech, uh, a technology type of product and service. I, would you agree? Well, I think there's two types of buyers, right? I think, well, there's a lot, but there, I think the two categories I look at are sophisticated and, uns and unsophisticated buyers. The sophisticated buyers, um, they do know what they're talking about. They've been there, done that before. And, and if you get in their way and you try to slow down that sales process by asking them a bunch of stupid questions and forcing them through your sales process, you're going to lose the deal. You have to have a frictionless sale these days when it comes to somebody who knows what the f they're talking about. But the unsophisticated yep. buyers, the ones who don't know what they're talking about, usually people below the power line, usually people are being told, go looking, look at these solutions. And, and you, and you can figure out like they've never done this before or they, they can't articulate the process or whatever it is. Yeah, absolutely. Those are the ones we have to take a step back, walk them through, make sure that we understand, make sure they're looking at it the right way and, and, and do it in a way that makes them feel like they're buying and not like we're selling them. What was your thought regarding the people buy from people part? Yeah. So you said people, you know, people buy from people they like. I actually don't, I, I've changed my opinion on that. It's not about the like, it's trust. It's people buy from people they trust. I, there's plenty of people I don't like, but I trust them and I would buy from them. So I'm not going to, you know, this is, here's a bad example because I don't like him today. Um, but like Elon Musk, a quick example, right? I, I don't like Elon, but I trust that motherfucker for, for a Tesla. You know what I mean? So I'm buying a Tesla. Now he didn't obviously sell it to me directly, but, but the trust factor I think is far more important than the like factor. And I think rep, sales reps who get stuck in this, oh, I got to get them to like me. Shit, man. I got plenty of friends. I don't need any more friends. Sub, yep. Subconscious, subconscious like, yep. subconscious to subconscious. It's what it's all about. It's all about mm -hmm. what's happening under the surface on the subconscious. 95% of the stuff we do is subconscious. That means we're all running around on autopilot the whole freaking time. And so if Mostly. we can align our subconscious with their subconscious, their subconscious is saying internally, this person's like me, we can open the mm -hmm. barriers and let them in and share a little bit more and be more. All right, John, I have two tough questions. Number one, what is your opinion with regards to what sales professionals need to do? Salespeople, I don't care if they're an SDR, a sales professional, a sales leader, a business owner, anyone that is in a revenue position, what do they need to do to shit off the fluff? Give a shit. <laughs> I, like I call it the give a shit factor and I'm, I'm, I'm being very serious. You know, we, you, it goes back to your comment of people going through the motions. Most of us going through the motions, right? We send out these cadences. We ask our stupid bant questions. We drone through demos. We don't really care. 
And when I say care, like, okay, we might care about our jobs. We might care about getting fired and all that. But do we genuinely care about the person we're actually having a conversation with? Like, have you taken the time to prepare for your meeting and look at this person socially and kind of think of them as a human being before you make that phone call or send that email or any of that? Like, because until you start genuinely giving a shit, and, and this also kind of lines up with what you sell. Because if you do not care about what you sell, if you if you do not believe in what you sell, you are the douchebag sales rep that gives the rest of us a bad name. If you're just out there for a commission check, trying to get trying to get paid, you suck. You're the Glengarry Glen Ross. You're the Wolf of Wall Street. You're the boiler room, and you're the reason that everybody thinks that we as sales professionals are are are, are sleazebags. But if you genuinely care and you believe in what you do, and you know it's you know not for everybody, but it, it makes a real difference for the right client. Sales is a transfer of enthusiasm. That's what it is. And, and, and all you have to do is, is find somebody that fits that mold and then transfer that enthusiasm over to you and then run a decent sales process. But you got to care because if you don't, it comes through. I don't trust you. I can read through that subconsciously or consciously. And it makes, a, it makes all the difference in the world. And unfortunately, I don't think too many sales reps give a shit these days. Oh, I agree totally. I, I say this. They're either lazy, stupid, don't know or don't care. Mm-hmm. That's and it. That's, um, that's the only master. reason why you would be stuck with fluff and have yeah. fluff in the funnel. The only reason is that it's stupid, lazy, don't know and don't care. No offense to anyone out there, guys. Uh, but think about that for a second. I think offense to everybody out there who, who's going through the motions. Like, if you go through the motions, like, get out of this profession. Do us all a favor. Go find something else to do. Yeah. Um, my last question is, what is your secret sauce for selling? Authenticity. Always has been, always will be. I, I, I don't uh, I don't pretend to be something I'm not. I, I don't pretend to know something I don't. Um, but I, I am who I am. And if you like me, we're good, you know, and, and, and you trust me. But, I, you know, I, I think so many people try to pretend to be something that they're not. And I used to think early in my career, you know, fake it till you make it and all that stuff. No, absolutely not. I disagree with that. I'd much rather deal with somebody who's genuinely honest with me and, and helps me to try to figure out and then tells me that they're not the right fit for, for whatever reason or refers me to somebody else because they're, you know, somebody else could do a better job, all that stuff. So for me, it's always been authenticity. Yeah. Selling to some, selling something to somebody who doesn't need anything, who doesn't need it is, is unethical, but not trying to sell somebody something that they do need is equally unethical. So I we got to keep that cool. in mind and, I'll, I'll finish with this, you know, that, that, and cause that nails the point, which is, you know, somebody asked me this, like, um, you know, say you get to the end of the month, end of the quarter, end of the year, right. And you gotta, you gotta close your deals. Well, how hard can you push? Well, the answer to that question is it is, it is in direct proportion to how much it is in your best interest versus their best interest. If it is in their best interest, because there's real impact to their business, there's gonna like there's something there that you can really solve for them that's a genuine problem, then you can and you should push as hard as you want to because it is in their best interest. If it is in your best interest, because you have to close the end of the month, end of the quarter, end of the year, you're just a jackass sales rep. Good luck. I love it. Well, I just want to give a great, a, a quick shout out. I, I just want to, I want to ask you about stuff that you were exposed to recently, uh, recently, but mm -hmm. just before I do that, I want to give a shout out to, um, the hosts of the podcast and the sponsors of the hot podcast, Novacy, uh, behavioral analysis, uh, and emotional analysis platform for sales reps who ever want to check out and see exactly what is actually happening behind the scenes when they're on calls. 
Check out Novacy. They're awesome. Um, back to you, John. Um, what do you got? What are you listening to these days? What are you reading? Anything interesting? What are your, what are your thoughts for you're looking ahead? Where do you see sales is going? Oh, man, sales is going. So I, I think we're going um, in, in, in summary, I think we're going back to full cycle sales. I think SDRs and BDRs are going to roll up under marketing and operations and be very analytical. We're going to full cycle sales supported by account based marketers. And uh, artificial intelligence is going to be doing the majority of the work for us, but we're going to be all sitting in front of a dashboard in a few years here, not being, not wondering who we're going to go after, but having technology tell us who to go after based on our existing client base and who fits those profiles and everything else. So the reps who are not leveraging or at least learning technology right now and learn, look, ChatGPT is a mess right now and it's creating a lot of chaos and a lot of confusion, but for the reps who are like, oh, whatever, that's just a fad. Like you're you're in a lot of trouble. I'm not saying you have to figure out how to implement ChatGPT at all the aspects, but if you're not at least playing around with it and you're at least not relevant in the conversation, you're already a dinosaur. So I think the rep of the future is Iron Man, Iron Woman. Because if you think of Iron Man, right, you got the you got the Tony Stark, right, as a human being, and he's got everything. He's rich. He's powerful. He's smart. He's you know all that stuff. Um, but without without the suit, Tony would get smoked by all the aliens and everything that he's fighting, right? So he has to create the suit. Well, the suit, cool, it's great, but the suit's just a chunk of metal without Jarvis. Jarvis is the AI. So if you think of us as sales reps, you get the individual, you get the technology like the CRM or the, the sales engagement tool or whatever it is, and then you get the AI that, that gives you the insights to leverage those a lot more effectively. And if you can be Iron Man or Iron Woman, you're going to excel. Uh, unfortunately, I, I think it goes back to that, you know, breakdown of 20, 60, 20, um, the 20% that get it are going to be, are going to hit levels that we've never seen before and are going to be insanely valuable to the customer as well. The 60%, they're, they're going to probably survive as long as they're willing to adapt. The 20% that doesn't care are going to get wiped out and we're watching it happen right now. So on that note, to anyone listening work on your emotional intelligence so that you can mm -hmm. leverage artificial intelligence. I go. love it. All right. Um, what are you reading recently? Any, we're listening to any podcasts, um, anything, anything, any great movies you've been, I mean, I don't know anything <laughs> yep. great that you believe um, is worth uh, that just can make a small difference into, in someone's mind with regards to how they perceive themselves, how they perceive their customers and how they perceive the profession. Uh, actually, one that I'm listening to right now, which is which I'm absolutely loving, is called "The Unsold Mindset" by Colin Coggins and Garrett Brown. Uh, it is absolutely fantastic. It, it, it tackles the question, which I never really thought of before, but they crystallize it in the beginning, where if you ask anybody what their perception of a sales professional is, right, it's always negative, always, right, pushy, aggressive, whatever it is. But then you ask them, who's the best salesperson you know, either personally or professionally or just out there in the world? And they come up with names and whoever it is. And the, the way they describe them is in glowing terms, like, oh, he's like one of the best sales, you know, and he's great. And he's always oh, so. And so there's that there's, there's that. OK, how do how does it when we think Cognitive of sales as dissonance? A, Right. Oh, yeah. What's that? What's that disconnect here that we think in general sales reps are douchey and gross and whatever. But when we think of the best ones, we are nothing but enamored by them and nothing but praise for them. And so they explore why that is and what the best sales reps and it doesn't have to be you are a salesperson. It is, you know, it could be your father. It could be somebody in science, you know, in technology, you know, whatever. 
So they go and they interview all the best sales reps and then they ask the best sales reps who, who's their favorite sales rep. And they go ahead and they do all this research and they find out that almost everything that everybody thinks of sales, like being great in sales, the process, the scripts and all that other stuff, it's actually the exact opposite for the best in the world. They don't do any of the stuff that all of us think about. They don't, they don't take the trainings and learn the questions to ask and the process to follow and all that stuff. They just, they give a shit. So. I love it. So on that note, let's give a shit. Uh, John, this has been awesome. I want to have you back. Uh, I think we've only just started to touch the tip of an iceberg. Uh, lots yep. of uh, interesting, interesting insights and topics. Thanks so much for joining us. And to listeners, don't forget, no guts, no gain. Be gutsy, be courageous, take action. And as John says, just give a shit. See you next yep. time. Thanks, James.